What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Microsoft, meantime, closing in on its acquisition of Activision after UK regulators signaled approval of that deal. Our Dear Bosa breaks that down for today's Tech Check. Morning, D. Hey, good morning, Carl. So as Microsoft does get one step closer to completing that deal, I wanted to step back and take a look at what this really means for the regulatory landscape and M&A activity going forward. Now, you can track sentiment, that skepticism and optimism around this deal by simply looking at Activision Blizzard's stock price. In January 2022, the beginning of that chart, Microsoft announced its intent to buy the company for 95 bucks a share. The stock did pop, but it didn't even hit $87, so falling short of that mark. For the next year, it would bump along around those levels, never really breaking $90 a share. And that really underpinned the skepticism that the deal would actually get through regulators. It wasn't until July of this year, as Microsoft won a key ruling in the FTC's attempt to stop the deal, that it broke that level. And today, with the UK regulators signaling approval, it is finally within a dollar or so of that $95 deal price. With that final approval, Microsoft Activision, and this is the bigger picture here, it will become an example of how a company can successfully ride out the stricter regulatory scrutiny of the Biden administration. It's also another blow to the antitrust bulldogs that he put in charge a few years ago. The most prominent, of course, is Lena Khan at the FTC and Jonathan Cantor at the DOJ, who have promised to bring bold action against the biggest tech companies and update antitrust laws for a modern Internet era. Instead, a string of blows that may be leaving corporate America feeling emboldened and could lead to even more M&A activity. Big tech deals that are still pending. You can see them here. They include Broadcom and VMware, Adobe and Figma, Cisco and Splunk, which was just announced yesterday. It was interesting, the reaction on Wall Street to this deal, too. A year ago, Wall Street might have pointed out the regulatory risk. Yesterday, though, one analyst summed it up simply tidal wave of software M&A on the horizon. That's what he wrote. So all of this hasn't really stopped the FTC and DOJ, though, from bringing some really major landmark cases against the biggest of the biggest, the mega cap tech like Amazon and Google parent Alphabet. But as I often like to point out, guys, just look at their stocks to see that investors do not perceive them as real threats. And if the market sees them as weak cops, which, you know, several people I talk to are starting to see them that way, we could indeed see more deals on the horizon because there has been this regulatory overhang over the last few years. But that's sort of coming out is what I'm hearing from investors that I talk to. I guess the question, D, is how many people want to deal with cops in the first place? Because obviously, as we've seen with Microsoft Activision, it takes so much time, so much distraction, so much in the way of legal fees and other fees uh, just to make sure this deal goes through. A lot of CEOs will say, you know, I I see that this worked for them, but I really don't want to go through the headache. Well, I think that the stakes are only rising, right? We're in this era of generative AI where big tech are trying to hold on to their lead. And to do so, yes, they're developing technology internally, but they also want to do deals. You go back to Microsoft and OpenAI. That wasn't an acquisition. That was a very creative partnership that essentially gave them all the benefit of OpenAI and ChatGPT, but didn't have to touch regulators. So they're finding ways around it. And in terms of that appetite to take it on, I mean, Microsoft showed that it it is very much willing to with Activision Blizzard. And 
These are such well-capitalized companies. If they think they can win, they may not hesitate. And maybe that's what Activision Blizzard and Microsoft have done, have shown that if you push back, you can actually win concessions. Of course, we're dealing with a whole different story when you think about the DOJ and Alphabet and the FTC and Amazon. But again, I point to the stock prices. It could be complacency on the part of investors, but there is sort of this thinking that it's not really going to go anywhere. And certainly over the last decade, that has proven to be true. Hey, Dean, maybe you noticed Mizuho today sort of pushing back on the notion that Cisco Splunk ushers in a new wave of tech M&A. They point out that, you know, management had been challenged. It had been out there for a long time. Yeah. Maybe this was a bit of a one-off. And, and that, in, in the words of one investor, Cisco is where companies go to fade away. I just wonder <laughs> how you think the street's absorbing that deal. That's a great point. Uh, when I was first looking at this deal, I thought about legacy tech and how they like to do this to sort of up their top line growth. IBM and Red Hat comes to mind, but, you know, it hasn't really led to any growth for IBM's side. And you could argue the same might happen with Cisco and Splunk. The other thing that I thought, Carl, was that maybe if companies see that Splunk was able to get 157 bucks a share down from its low point of 75 bucks a share, they could want to hold on and maybe IPOs on the horizon for at least those private companies facing either, you know, a takeover by private equity or a strategic acquisition. Maybe that makes some of the enterprise software companies think that they're worth more. And it is the point. Why would you maybe want to be part of Cisco, right? Part of a strategic acquisition by a company that struggles to find growth versus trying to find that on your own and having the market value you. Yeah, the price discovery aspect of this whole dynamic is so interesting. Deirdre, thank yeah. you. Now to the iPhone 15 going on sale around the world today. And Tim Cook showed up at the Apple store in New York City as part of the festivities. Our Steve Kovac is there as well. Lines being reported in China and Dubai and in New York, Steve. So there's some enthusiasm here. Yeah, and I've been here since, believe it or not, five in the morning today, Kelly. And the line is still going. People just keep adding to the line. It's around the corner here on 58th Street, stretching from Fifth Avenue down to Madison. Um, and as you mentioned, Tim Cook showing up to open the doors this morning at 8 a.m. We saw him inside. He was signing autographs, believe it or not, of people's boxes of newly purchased iPhones. But look, after all the cheering and the jeer and, and so forth that we're seeing and the celebrations, the pressure is really on for this iPhone 15 lineup. After we've seen Apple go through three straight quarters of declining revenue, expecting a fourth quarter of declining revenue as well, unless these uh, phones right now in the last couple weeks of the quarter uh, perform above expectations. But look, next quarter is the real quarter to watch. That is the important holiday quarter. Comparisons for Apple's revenue, top line growth, should get a little easier next quarter just because of all those COVID lockdowns and supply chain issues they had in the year ago quarter. So. Apple really hoping that uh, the comparisons get better, return to the top line growth investors are looking for. And the key to that, Kelly, is the pro line of phones, the more expensive phones, especially the iPhone Pro Max, which costs 100 bucks more than it did a year ago. I talked to the first person in line uh, early this morning. He got here at 8 o'clock last night, and he said he's in line for that Max because it has the best features. That's exactly what Apple wants to hear, Kelly. What are the fee? I was going to ask you, you know, the, the, apart from the nice round number of 15, that's a lovely number. Yeah. My son wears it in football, so I'm fond of it. But, but what are the features that people are turning out and, and getting in line at 5 a.m. or whatever it was to get? What is so different about this phone uh, from its predecessor? 
dancer and short Tyler is not much. So <laughs> year over year, year over year, the the advancements are pretty iterative, and right. Apple does that because people hang on to their phones for so much longer than they used to. So whereas, you know, in the early days of the iPhone, people might want to upgrade every one or two years, that's been extended to three to five years. So if you buy, if you're going from an 11 to a 15, that feels like a significant upgrade. The cameras are so much better. The performance, the battery life, the screen uh, technology, everything that you would care about will be improved. If you have an iPhone 14, you're not going to feel that improvement as much. I'll go mm. back to the guy I talked to, the first guy in line. He's going from an iPhone 13 to the 15. So he, you know, he's a couple generations behind. For him, it's going to be a more significant upgrade. I don't think you're going to see a lot of people except the ultra Apple fans going uh, from a 14 to a 15, Tyler. I think that's a very interesting piece of analysis there, Steve. In other words, if people are keeping their phones longer, and so when they're ready to move from that 11 or the 12 to the 15, it really is a markedly different for a phone as compared with the 14, where, as you say, the, 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 uh, the changes are, are really iterative or incremental. I just got a new phone myself. It's I've held onto my old phone three and a half, four, almost four years. Uh, and uh, it's it's markedly it's a better phone, but did, wait, you literally get, did you get a 14 then, like just a couple of weeks ago? I am uh, not in that ecosphere. <laughs> oh, I see. So the timing of this. Launch oh, we got a Samsung guy here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Green, yes. green yes. guy. Yes. And I message. Uh, yes, all right, that's right. All right, Steve, thank you, man. Green bubble. All right, yeah. Thanks, right. Tyler. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.